It's great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show. You know, our mission is to serve you with advice and information that empowers you so you can make better financial decisions in your life. In today's show, I want to talk about something that's just a fact of life. Every day, you hear, you see, you read reports about bad things in the world that lead to so much pessimism about the world we live in, the community, the state we live in, the economy, our health, you name it. Well, I want to tell you, don't buy into that. Don't buy into that. There is such a tendency, the more content we absorb, the more down we get, that's not real life. I want to tell you why. Also, colleges are struggling. They're working overtime to try to fill their enrollments. If you have a kid in high school, I want to tell you there are great strategies you can use to stretch every college dollar. So I am an incurable optimist. I am almost... um, What's that term for somebody who, in the worst of circumstances, still sees the the good in it? Pollyanna. So take what I say with a grain of salt. But I believe that one of the wonderful things about us as humans is our ability to adapt to adversity. What I say and have said for as far back as I can remember, when someone will be hitting me with tales of woe about the world, not necessarily about their own circumstances, but about the world, is I use a trite phrase answering back that the only thing that's the end of the world is the end of the world. And yes, life will present hardships. There will be times of darkness on earth. Imagine living in the era of World War II and the brutality of war and over 100 million people dying in a six-year period. I mean, that's unbelievable, right? And think back to four years ago when we thought we were seeing the possible extinction of humanity when COVID first reared its ugly head. And it is true. Tragic loss of life over a million, potentially a million and a half Americans lost their lives to COVID and around the world, so many losses, but we overcame it and we adapted. And in so many circumstances where you hear the problems, we don't hear the solutions, the bad news, we don't hear the good news. There's an example I gave about a year and a half ago about how if you go back 40 years Roughly half the world's population lived in abject and extreme poverty with starvation part of daily existence. Today, in two generations, we're under 10% of world population that lives in abject poverty. The, The advances of humanity on so many levels and so many ways are so extreme, but whenever anything new comes along, we think negative. I ask you to think about this. In your own life, 
How are you feeling about your own life? That's where the rubber meets the road. A lot of us will say, well, I'm doing fine, but the world is going into the toilet. Again, that's, that's the greater news leading you into this negative cesspool because it's funny, we'll feel better about our own neighborhood or we'll feel better about our own community, but we'll feel bad about the world or the state or our country or whatever. Know that, that we continue to advance in ways that can be good and bad. I think about the endless stories, the shock headlines about how AI is going to just destroy us and all that. And nobody really talks about where AI could be helpful, where AI could lead to medical advances or advances in manufacturing and production, advances in data collection that could root out diseases better and quicker or treatments for cancers that right now we don't have adequate treatments for. Yeah, there can be deep fakes of Taylor Swift. And there could be all these things. I mean, there's all this stuff that happens. But think about how when we were facing inflation two years ago, it looked like it was never going to be solved. And if it was solved, we were going to have a deep, disgusting, terrible, deep recession. And now here we are. The economy is gaining strength, not losing strength. Does that mean we're not going to have a recession? later this year or next year, whatever, we always have recessions. In a free enterprise economy, you're always going to have economic cycles. But when things look bleak from what you see, hear, or read, don't take the wrong messages from us. Because people don't want to read good news. We may say we do, but we're attracted to the scare lines. That's what I call headlines. You know, the teases on the news One more I want you to think about. There was a study years ago that found that people who consume a lot of local television news tend to think where they live is much more dangerous and much more violent than it actually is. And why do they do so much crime coverage on local news? Because it's cheap and it's good teasable stuff to hold people over through commercials. But it changes people's perceptions. So just remember this in your own life. Don't let the overall tone of what you hear and see and read out there color your innate optimism because optimism pays for all of us, I promise. What does this have to do with money? You tell me. I don't know. (laughs) Let's go to people's questions about money. Sona in Colorado says, for online purchases, I often use PayPal and they charge my credit card. Do I have the same protections through PayPal that I usually do with a credit card? So PayPal, interestingly enough, has very clear standards for protecting you with purchases. There are rules with it, but PayPal had to do that even though, as best I can tell, technically they are not required in many cases to have the same protections you would have with a major credit card. For marketplace reasons, they have a a resolution center, dispute center, whatever. And whether you are paying through PayPal, linked to a checking account, or paying through a credit card, you still have those protections. Now, 
it's a big question mark if you pay with a credit card through PayPal, if you have the credit card protections you normally would have, and PayPal short-circuited having to figure that out with your individual bank or credit union by giving you the ability to dispute on PayPal. Melody in Iowa says, I just read where you say to never use debit cards, but ATMs are okay. My bank gives 5% interest on checking accounts up to $25,000 if you, one, log into mobile banking, two, agree to electronic statements, and three, use a debit card 14 times a month for a purchase. What do you think? I signed up, but now I'm not so sure I should. Yeah, do it. Okay, so let's look at it this way. You jump through the hoops they have, and you earn that high rate of interest by doing these 14 uh, debit card transactions. And they'll probably tell you clear them as credit, not debit. Because that's how the bank makes these huge fees off the backs of the merchants and restaurants you go to. So it's a certainty that you do that, you're going to get this high rate of interest on the checking account. But there's a risk, an enhanced risk, that something could go wrong by using a debit card. You weigh those two things, and the high rate of interest you can earn makes it worth it to take on the risk. Do not use the debit card for large transactions. That's where it's really important to have the protections that come with a credit card. But walking around purchases, use them those 14 plus times a month and get the money. Chris in South Dakota says, I just learned that Smile Direct went into bankruptcy oh. and ceased all operations. Oh. I saved up and paid for aligners for my son, but since they didn't ship, I'm out the entire balance. I've got nothing to show for it. It's like they just legally robbed me. What's the likelihood I'll ever see any of that money back? And please alert your listeners since they didn't send any email or correspondence about this. Yeah, there's been so many news reports since. And they've gone radio silent on people. I'm really sorry about this. If you were paying into them with a credit card, some of that money may be money you can recapture. And it has to be an actual real credit card, not a piece of trash, fake Visa or fake MasterCard like we were just talking about. It's a debit card that has a Visa or MasterCard logo. If you did pay by credit card, you want to, without any lost time, you want to file a dispute with your credit card issuer. And some of that money, maybe not all, will come back to you. On the other hand, if you were paying electronically with a debit from your checking account, you were paying by debit card, you will eventually receive a claim form, file a claim, but I would not hold out a lot of hope that any significant amount of money will come back to you. And I'm really, really sorry that this has happened to you and so many others of your fellow Americans that this money may have taken a one-way trip. And the credit card thing is not foolproof. There are protections under federal law that are potentially helpful to you. And when credit card companies, the banks get worried about a particular business maybe not doing well paying its bills and things, they put them on hold back. And the credit card operators hold back a lot of the money in the event that the enterprise goes insolvent. And then they have a pool of money 
to be able to pay back to people who were owed money from it. And that's why when a company gets into financial trouble, a lot of times the financial industry knows way before we do, and there is that holdback money to be able to pay refunds when an organization ceases to exist. So I'm hoping that that is your situation. And I'll tell you, there's some good news out there that is bad news in the marketplace. It's that colleges are having trouble getting students. And I'm going to tell you how that is so beneficial to you if you have a kid in high school straight ahead. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So I have... The last of my three children finishing high school in just three months in May, 101 days, I think, till graduation. Not that I'm looking forward to being an empty nester. If I say to my wife how long it is, she's like heartbroken. And I'm like, yippee, great kid. But, you know, it's time for him to fly the nest. So he's going to college to flight school, so he wants to fly for one of the airlines. Man, this is a time that I wish he was a kid who wasn't into a specialty thing like flying because we get letter after letter after letter, old-fashioned mail, like with stamps on them, showing up from colleges begging him to go to them. This is not just happening to my son. This is happening to anybody who has a kid in this year's high school graduating class who's taken the ACT or the SAT because colleges are hurting for certain because of demographics and also the mood of the country has turned from skeptical to negative on going to college. I believe college has value and that is not a commonly held belief across the United States now. So, You always hear me talk about you zig when others zag. So right now, college is out. But all those buildings exist, those campuses exist. And unless this negative mood towards college continues for a long time and college campuses start closing and the supply of colleges shrinks, students now and their parents have the upper hand on colleges. And yeah, There are the 30 top schools in the country who still will always have applications far in excess of the number of spaces. They'll be able to psych people out that it's worth spending $400,000 for four years of undergraduate school and going into debt past your eyeballs and all that. 
But past those 30 or so, it is supply and demand smiling on your wallet if you use that supply and demand to your benefit. Um, something that happened, remember this is my third kid. This never happened with the first two because the marketplace has shifted so much. Our son is getting letters from schools saying, you're automatically accepted here. You do not need to apply. We want you. Just say yes, and you can attend here in August. Crazy, right? They just pre-accept without an application. So this is an opportunity to consider places your child may not have ever considered. There's opportunity here to score a four-year deal. You don't want a one-year financial incentive package from any school. You want a four-year. The way these four years work is when a school makes a four-year offer to you, it is contingent upon your kid having a GPA each year of a certain level. And it may be 2.75, maybe 3.0, maybe 3.25. Grade point average in college each year. And then the package agreed to continues for the next year. You know, there's this focus on, it's got to be this particular college. And let me tell you, a lot of times a kid will have his or her heart set on going to this particular college, and then they'll get there and they'll be like, huh, what was I thinking? I know so many people whose kids transferred out after the first year or dropped out after the first year because what they thought was their dream school wasn't at all for them. So there is not one school that works for a kid in college. So play hard to get. Act interested, but persuadable. That's the key. How many, you also have a high school senior. Mm -hmm. How many letters from colleges, some you probably never heard of, have you received at your house? They come through daily. I mean, it's... It's shocking. Postcards, letters. Yeah. Yeah. And postcards of like, it's like they've hired all these direct mail specialists. They'll have these very colorful postcards that are odd sizes. They're having to pay big postage on and all kinds of fancy brochures. And it's even, some colleges are so desperate that he's gotten these full enrollment packets in the mail from places that he hadn't expressed any interest to. I mean, it is a different year and different opportunity for you if here in February you're in this thing of trying to decide on schools and you have your funnel. Like every kid and the parents have a funnel. Now these are schools you're looking at. If you expand your funnel, you expand your chances to get a really good financial package. And according to, I've spoken to a couple of college counselors about this. They didn't predict that this year this would be going on, but they said next year, just because of COVID and the way things work, like next year they really think things will loosen up as well in terms of the competitiveness, even at some of the higher, you know, the top schools. So we'll see if that happens. Um, Chris in Wisconsin says, when selling a car to an individual, you have mentioned the contract wording should indicate as is. Should any similar precautions be taken when trading in a vehicle at a dealership? All right, Chris, first of all, good listener. When you are selling a car to an individual, it doesn't, it's not a contract, it's a bill of sale. And you put both your addresses, the date, the miles, the VIN, 
sale is understood to be as is, any warranty would be from the manufacturer. Just a simple phrase like that. And you both sign it and you're good. At a dealership, they know the law. They are the superior party. You just trade it in. You don't have to have any document where you're having them sign saying they understand they're accepting this trade-in as is. That is automatic with the process. Jennifer in the District of Columbia says, My dear aunt has offered to pay off my mortgage on my condo. I owe a bit less than $44,000. She is afraid of electronic transfers from her account to Wells Fargo, who holds the note. She insists on sending me a check. She and another aunt, who recently died, are doing this for me, and it is a gift for which I am very grateful. How do I prevent my bank from issuing me a 1099 once I deposit the check? Once cleared, I would then call Wells Fargo and pay off the note. I'm afraid of tax implications for my aunt or myself. Can you help? My aunt is now a new Clarkie, and I think what you'd say would be very seriously considered. She does not want them, the bank to be able to reach into her bank account. I would prefer that instead of a check to me, she just calls them and pays off the note. I spoke to them, and they do not care who pays it off. And I actually don't care either, Jennifer, uh, what your aunt and your late aunt together posthumously, what they're doing is fantastic for you. And it's so generous. Just say thank you and take the check from her. Deposit in your account. Don't worry, there's no 1099 result of that. There is another issue I'll come to in a second. So you deposit, it'll clear you pay wells whatever way they want to be paid, and you're done with the mortgage. The only thing they'll do is they'll hit you with a nuisance charge for a payoff letter that'll show what the daily interest is and all that. You pay them, you're done, you're mortgage debt free. When you deposit more than $10,000 in a bank, it can be treated as a suspicious transaction. There's no issue here, and you just deposit it, let the money fund to your account, which takes, depending on the bank, usually five banking days. You'll have credit for that, and then you'll be able to pay off the mortgage. There is no tax issue for you. Now, I don't know the wealth of your aunt. If she's sitting there with millions and millions and millions of dollars, there's potential later on gifting issues involved with having a very large estate. And this would go against her estate tax exclusion. But I don't gather from what you've said that your aunt is sitting there with millions and millions and millions of dollars. So this is no issue, no problem. You just say thank you. Take the money as your aunt wishes to give it to you as a check. And you're going to be mortgage debt free like a third of your fellow Americans who own a home. But it does exceed the gift tax for the year. So when I talk about gift tax, the 18000 you uh-huh. give someone else, there is no actual payment you have to make. This is, it's money that goes against the exclusion, which is, uh, was it $5.8 million now or something like that? Okay. Uh, so that's why you have to have real money before you have to worry about that. Now, if you wanted it to be as, not as simple, but completely free of any concern about gift tax at all, Your aunt can give you the money and then take back a note from you where she forgives $18,000 right away. Next year, she forgives another $18,000. And the third year, she forgives the last 
8,000, but that's probably much more complication than you need to do. Bill in California says, Clark, love your show. What advice would you have for an upper 50s dude who wants to change his career? Is it too late? Does he have to go work at Starbucks since few people will hire old guys? Uh, So, yeah, no doubt, Bill, there is age discrimination in the marketplace. There's not any doubt at all that that's the way things work. At the same time, if you are interested in a skill set that you'll be willing to go to technical school or go through a training program at a university or a private certification program, whether it's in computers or some kind of skill area that workers are really needed, because there are so many fields that workers are needed so badly that require a specified set of skills, there's no room for age discrimination in those categories. So if you were to go online and Google most in-demand jobs, you know, job categories where companies really need workers, whatever, and find something that feels like a fit to you. I mean, you can't just leave what you have and go into a whole new career field and expect to make a decent amount of money. But on the other hand, with some training, you can have a skill that the marketplace really needs and it could lead to a really nice paycheck and a wiping out of the age discrimination problem that is so much a part of life. You know, late 50s, don't know how long you intend to work, don't know how much money you have saved for retirement, don't know if you have a pension from all the years of work till your late 50s. Don't know if work is to live or if work is for fun or a combination of those two. So that's really why I talk about giving yourself more career mobility, more job mobility through picking up some training or skill sets that the marketplace demands right now, needs so badly at this moment. And I want to tell you, if you have a question that's very specific, something going on in your life, you need one-on-one advice, that's something we do for free. And we've been doing it for free for 31 years for you to be able to get free one-on-one advice. If you go to clark.com slash CAC, you'll be able to find out how to reach one of our team members in the Team Clark Consumer Action Center who are there to serve you 30 hours each week with that free one-on-one advice and guidance. And remember our mission, to help you find ways to save more and spend less and avoid getting ripped off. Have a great rest of your day.